G'day and welcome to the Talking Hawks podcast. In a new series here on Talking Hawks, every Tuesday morning on your podcast feed, you'll be getting six points. That is the six key takeaways from a couple of members of the Talking Hawks crew before we hit up the live stream on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock live from Facebook and YouTube, where, of course, the fans get to vent, exclaim, scream, whatever they need to do is all up to the fans. But for now, here is your little taste test. Of course, with the Talking Hawks pod, wherever you are getting your podcast from, if you could leave a five-star review, that would be amazing. Just like a like on YouTube, it just helps more people see the pod. And of course, at Talking Hawks, we want to be connecting all the Hawthorne fans from around the globe. So the more people that can see it, the more people that will jump on and be a part of the Talking Hawks family. I've got Timmy alongside of me to discuss a Hawthorne team that lost by more points than anyone else in round one. But what did we take away from the game? Well, let's have a chat and let's get into it. Timmy, the great man yourself alongside me. Feels like a while since we've jumped on, mate. I wish it was under better circumstances, but welcome. Thanks very much for having me, Daisy. It would have been nice to be talking about a Hawthorne victory, but uh, alas, didn't quite end up that way yesterday. Oh, mate, that is the understatement of the absolute century right there. So the Hawks going down 9-11-65, playing the Dons 19 10 124. That just pains me to read out. Bruce with three. Dimmer Hardwick with two. We'll talk about him in a sec. Singles, the rest. James Sicily, 20 disposals. Jimmy Warple, 29. Josh Ward, 26. And you can vote as fans for your round one MVP over on Talking Hawks on Facebook and or Twitter or both if you're passionate about who you think your MVP was. But that's a little... Snapshot of the game, mate, but how this is going to work as this is the first time we've ever done this is we've got sort of three talking points each that we want to bounce off each other and the beautiful people listening. And it's our chance to sort of vent before Matt dominates on the live stream. Not sure who's on with Matt tomorrow, but they'll do a fantastic job and the fans will get their say. But I'll let you kick things off, my friend. What was your first takeaway? You were there at the game. I was watching at home. So we've got different perspectives there, which I like. Yeah, so the first takeaway I have was the was the crowd, sixty eight thousand, and I can tell you there was actually there would have been more than sixty eight thousand there because if you have children uh, under the age of five, they get in for free. So I know I, I had my two little pipsqueaks with me yesterday, uh, hoping for a Hawthorne victory. But sixty eight thousand, and and for a while Hawthorne is, I guess we've been seen as fair weather supporters. Uh, we haven't had a a flush uh, draw in terms of getting great opponents at the MCG. If you think about last year, we had certain circumstances where games were dictated to by weather. We had the Grand Prix on uh, one weekend when we were playing at home. So to get 68,000 supporters there yesterday was absolutely fantastic. And I can tell you if there was a roof on the MCG when CJ kicked his goal and then did the Shawn Michaels kick up, uh, that would have exploded off. There was certainly a lot of brown and gold there, which was fantastic. From speaking to the players throughout the preseason, one of their big things was about seeing the supporters there, having the supporters cheering them on, being able to feed off that enthusiasm. And certainly in that first quarter and, and probably halfway through the second quarter, there was lots of enthusiasm, lots of cheering coming about, lots of noise for the Hawks, which was great. So the first point I had was how nice was it to see a big crowd for a Hawthorne game once again? 
That's a very optimistic start from you, my friend. And I hope that the Hawthorne members out there that can get to games do continue to go. Regardless of how the Hawks are going, mate, the Brown and Gold family need to be there through the good times, the bad times, and whatever times come in between under Sam Mitchell's tenure. Now, you've started very optimistically. It's going to be fair to say I've gone down the other end of the spectrum here, mate, because I love Smithy. As everyone that knows, 10 years of friendship, the great man himself, he's coined the Hawk Highway, and he's actually more right than he ever could dream of being because the corridor was the place that the Hawks wanted to take the footy on every occasion. And for good, it worked at times, but we'll talk about the forward setup a little bit later on. But there's one thing that I've learned, mate, as the most recent driver out of all of us, and that's a story for another day, is that when you hit that 100 and you're on the highway, mate, and the traffic's good, which is rare, but anyway, life's great. You're just humming down. Things are great, mate. Roll the windows down. Good weather. Good tunes. You're flying. And then you miss your exit. You turn the ball over. And all of a sudden, you've got to make that U-turn and you've got to head the other way. Not a lot of Hawks wanted to turn and run the other way. The Bombers on transition kicked 11 of their first 13 goals from the defensive half. They only kicked two stoppage goals in the first three quarters. And considering how horrific that third quarter was, that was quite a stat. The Hawks were 18th this round for defensive rating. And you might be thinking, come on, Daz, we won the tackle count. It can't have been that bad. Well, the Bombers' uncontested marks were a feature in that first and third quarter where they took the game away from us. Don't let that final quarter fool you. The defensive work rate was just not there. And in a world where you've got two-way midfielders like Sam Walsh, Tuke Miller, these kind of guys, Andrew Brayshaw as well, the only hawk that I saw that was impacting in both arcs, being, of course, the forward 50 and the defensive 50 in the one piece of play, and I saw him do it twice, a shout-out to Josh Ward, but there is a Hawthorne midfield and a Hawthorne half-forward group that really like the ball in hand and then get killed on transition. Collingwood are a bit the same, but they're a lot, lot better in moving the footy, and their defensive half was a bit more solid than the Hawks were. So the Hawk Highway, sometimes it's going to work. We're going to kick 120 points, and we're going to be as good as gold. But the next stage in the Hawthorne development is going to be being able to turn around, get back and help out a halfback group that might be a Hawthorne strength, but is still young in and of itself. So I was pretty disappointed with the fact that we won a tackle count, but we had the least amount of tackles for the team that won the tackle count. And you think of a team like Sydney had 84 tackles. We had 43 on the Bombers. And when we're letting Mason Redmond kick a couple of goals, Jordan Ridley kicked his first goal in footy and, I didn't think I'd ever seen him leave the back pocket for the entire time. Sure, we can blame the defenders a little bit for what happened, but considering the silver service they were getting in that 30-meter gap between the 50 and sort of 80 meters out, sometimes it just was not surprising to me at all. So of all the things to be disappointed about, and there were you know a few things, I think the defensive work rate was number one on my mind, and that's why I've gone with it first, Timmy. Yeah, look, I can certainly agree with that. Being at the ground, you could see Essendon in that first quarter just taking those easy, uncontested marks. And at times, our half-forwards would stay in the forward line. There, You could see their man pushing up the ground, taking those easy marks, giving options, and we weren't following. There was no chase. As you said, Joshy Ward, he will turn out to be one of the better uh, two-way runners, I reckon, in the competition because his work ethic is absolutely top-notch, uh, which is a shame because you think about it, he's a second-year mid who's doing that. And we know we've got some players on, on the list who've been there four, five, six years 
uh, who weren't able to do that two-way running and, I guess, put in as much effort as Joshua's on the weekend. Yep, spot on. So we've gone optimistic for yourself, mate, a bit pessimistic for mine. Uh, back to you. Your second point and the third overall tonight. Yeah, so my second point has to be Cam McKenzie. How long yeah. will he be in the number 28 Guernsey for? Because as based long on, as Mitchell was, Oregon. Yeah, because based on his efforts yesterday, you think first game, top flight, uh, and I think he had 18, uh, 18 disposals, nine of which were contested. Three tackles, went at 83%. And his ability to find a target in the forward line when none of our mids could actually lower their eyes was sensational. So at the time, we were in front, I think it was 29 to 19. So Hawthorne had kicked uh, four goals, five behinds. And at that stage, all four goals had been very opportunistic. Mackenzie had the ball about 60 out and he waited, waited, lowered his eyes and hit a leading Luke Roost on the tip. And you just went, how fantastic is that? If you're a forward and you've got this midfielder who's able to lower their eyes and actually hit you when you're a leading target, that's what you want. So to see a first-year player, and obviously highly touted, was called the best kick in the in the draft of last year. So we knew he was going to be really good. But to see him able to do that, I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. And then seven score involvements in your first game while playing through a midfield. So Frenchie can only get better. And I know I'm always op- uh, always optimistic. I think I always will be optimistic, especially when talking about the Hawks. But I think Cam McKenzie is an absolute star. And I'm calling that after one game. Yeah, he is. And you look at, you know, Will Ashcroft in the middle in his first game didn't cope with it as well as Cam McKenzie did, in my opinion. Yes, different opponents. But when you look at, you know, Harry Sheasel made his debut, but it was off a halfback flank. Dacos did it last year. You really can't compare the two. With footy in hand, he doesn't panic. Now, sure, he did have a couple of handballs sideways, teammate under pressure. I understand all those things. But with thinking time, and footy instincts will come, but with thinking time, you feel safe when he's got the ball in his hands, which is an 18-year-old kid. It's just remarkable. Absolutely. And, you know, the way he was able to – he'd had, had the ball in hand. It was almost as if time stopped. He waited, 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 and he, he was weighing up – the absolute best option. It wasn't a hurried kick forward. It wasn't a rushed handball. He waited, and you can just see the class that he's he's got. And the other thing I forgot to mention is three clearances as well. So mm-hmm. you know he's he's got an all round game there, Frenchie. And and one of them was the kick of the day, I think. But Chad spilt it, and luckily for us, he followed it up with probably the goal of the round. So he got away with one there, Chadwick. But that would have hit him directly in the hands as well. So that's three points down. My second point, I'm not here to complain, Hawthorne fans, I promise you, but I need to bring this up for a couple of reasons. And I've practiced this a few times, and you'll be able to tell if this is edited if I get this wrong. But I did have to ask myself the question, mate, and that is, what the ruck? I'm really glad I got that out properly. (laughs) Now, you might be thinking, Daz, Sam Draper wasn't that great. I agree with you. You might be thinking, we won the hitouts. I agree with you. You might be thinking we eat, we were even at center clearances, so they didn't get an ascendancy out of the middle. Guys like Parrish and Merritt, and I agree with you. But around the ground, Ned Reeves and Lloyd Meek were just nowhere. And on a day where, yes, the tools just were, all of the tools pretty much except Jimmy Blank, in my opinion, he got a little bit more of a tick than than the others in that spine. You know, Cozzy had a nightmare. We know that. He got subbed out in that third quarter. We tried to go small ball, didn't work, but... You've got to try something eventually. But when the ball hit the ground, Ned Reeves and Lloyd Meek just 
didn't give anything, and that really is a concern. When you look at the best ruckman in the competition, you're looking at Gorn's ability to, you know, six-time All-Australian, understand that he's not at Reeves' level, I know, but his ability to work across the ground, Grundy's ability to impact a bit more forward we've seen so far, and his tap work, which is great. They're able to have an impact when the ball isn't in dispute, and Lloyd Meek and Ned Reeves didn't deliver that for me, which was pretty disappointing. And when I look at the other Ruckman that just played on the Sunday, so we're talking Reeves, Meek, yep, we're talking Draper, Matt Flynn for the Giants, Riley O'Brien for the Crows, Rowan Marshall for the Saints, Sean Darcy for Freo. Now, I'm a big fan of the last two, Marshall and uh, Sean Darcy, are two of the top six, seven, eight Ruckman in the competition. But Matt Flynn is probably in the same tier as Reeves and Meek, in my opinion. Of those seven Ruckman, five of them laid multiple tackles. Do you want to have a stab, Timmy, at which two didn't? I think I can absolutely guarantee who the two were, and I reckon they were wearing brown and gold, unfortunately. They were, and it's not only did they not lay multiple, they didn't lay singular, either of them. Both zeros. Now, they're not alone. Uh, plenty of Hawks. Connor McDonald, Finn McGuinness leading the charge. James Sicily also didn't lay a tackle. They're not escaping the criticism here, but in a game where we might be introducing more, as in 23 players instead of 22, when you're on the field, it's 18 v 18. And when the ball hits the ground, it still needs to be 18 v 18. And I think for big periods of this game, Essendon's tall stood up. The Hawks didn't. And I think it started in the middle. Draper was able to, you know, he laid a big tackle. He got someone holding the ball out on that far wing. I think it might have been Fergus Green uh, in a big tackle there as well. We just didn't see the presence of Ned Reeves and, and Lloyd Meek. So I thought that was pretty disappointing. Um, and in a world where Carl Amon made his debut for the club, thought he looked good. Fergus Green, okay, it wasn't his day. It was probably not going to be his day. But that really nice goal had a moment. Lloyd Meek didn't really have a moment, which was pretty disappointing. And if Ned Reeves can't use that tapping ability to lead us to sending clearance wins... He's going to have to find another trick, and I hope that he can. But not the start that I wanted from the two tallest boys in the team, Timmy. So of the Hawthorne Ruckman, uh, Meg took six out of the seven marks. So I think Meg probably gets a, a bit more of a saving grace compared to Reeves uh, because of his ability to compete. Obviously, he took those marks at times. He was leading out. He took a beautiful mark in the, the second quarter on the lead. And then in that second quarter, there was times where he was, you know, three against one, four against one, and we're still competing, uh, willfully trying to get that ball to ground. So I think Meek probably gets a bit more of a tick uh, compared to Noodle. But yeah, unfortunately for Ed, once the ball hit the ground yesterday, uh, he wasn't able to impact in any way, shape or form. Which is a shame. And when you see guys traditionally like Mason Cox had an impact on the ground for the Pies, Ben Brown for Melbourne, and they're the, you know, the two poster boys of just zero defensive nous at all. A little bit demoralizing. I'll take the Lloyd Meek one on board. Made me a bit stiff um, with his six marks there. But I think it's just, I think I've just lumped the Ruckman into the anger at all the talls. Frosty had a nightmare. Cozzy had a nightmare. I thought Jimmy Blank was pretty good. But anyway, that's point four done. So your third one, please, mate. What was your third takeaway from this one? My third point was Blake Hardwick as a forward. Now, I know Dimmer last season, 18 goals conceded in 22 games against the best of the small uh, forwards in the competition. And then on the weekend, as I said, we kicked the first four goals we kicked were very opportunistic uh, from drop marks, just opportunities. We were able to kick them. And then second quarter and third quarter, we literally didn't hit, didn't look like hitting the scoreboard. There was no shape up forward. 
at last quarter, Mitchell throws the magnets around, which Blake Hardwick had actually alluded to on the Talking Hawks podcast a couple of weeks ago that he'd love to be getting some time forward. We put him forward, two marks, two goals, and his ability to provide a contest to lead to actually be able to give that forward line some shape. I thought, how fantastic is this? Which then leaves the conundrum, because if we move into the forward line, who do you then bring in? And I thought, if Joshy Morris was fit and firing, it would be a perfect opportunity because we know he's out of contract at the end of this season. We know that's the position he likes to play on those small forwards. So it would have been a great opportunity for him. But we've also got Jack Scrimshaw, who played for Box Hill on the weekend, who might be able to come back in. And who knows against the Swans this week, we might see Blake Hardwick lining up at full forward, maybe in the forward line in some way, shape or form, because it gives that added dimension. Obviously, it's something that the opposition haven't prepared for. And when you're the leading goal kicker in the TAC Cup, you don't just lose that type of skill and ability. So at the moment with a Hawthorne forward line that doesn't quite have the the firepower that we, we would love to see because obviously Mitch Lewis is out at the moment, it might almost be a case of robbing Peter to pay Paul. And I thought Blake Harbick on the weekend, especially in that last quarter and a half when he went forward, gave us that shape, gave us a bit of stability and actually gave the midfielders a bit of a target to kick to. Could give a defensive forward role to a Dane Rampy, maybe, who was awesome against the Suns. We'll wait and see. Well, I think it was um, it was Paul Ruse when he first started at the Swans. I might have the person who said it was wrong. But in rebuilding a footy club and teaching a young group, you've either got to pick one. You've either got to pick them out to score 100 points or how to not concede 100 points. Now, I think the Hawks are being taught how to kick 100 points, which is why their two-way running might not be there. Problem is, with no Mitch Lewis, uh, that's going to be a bit difficult. So I think, he, I mean, of all the players to go down, I think he was the the one we would have liked the least, and we don't want any Hawks to go down at all, but interesting to see Dimmer. I'm going to end on a somewhat positive note, mate, and my sixth point, well, my third point, but the sixth point of this show is going to be, it's not all doom and gloom, Hawks fans. We've got reasons to complain, but like Sam Mitchell says, you can spend a day or two, but then it's got to wash over us. So the live stream tomorrow, fans, once that's done and dusted, we just got to let it wash over us. We saw last year, the better the opponent, the better we played. We beat Geelong last year. We took good clubs close. So I don't think it's going to be this whole where the north of last year or any of that. We had guys that played the worst footy of their careers, which means they're going to play better footy next week. And that's that's what footy's all about. If you're going to have a bad week, make it in round one. I'd much rather at round one than round 23. You don't want to end on a game like that. Starting with it is not great, but hey, if it's going to happen, I'd rather it happen early. So the Hawks, interestingly, round two last year, were top of the ladder of round one this year on the bottom, which doesn't sit well with me. But Timmy, uh, we'll end on a, some, a somewhat optimistic note, but it, it, it can't get this bad again, surely. No, no, I'm actually looking forward to this weekend because over the past few years, we've become the SCG specialist. And I think, you know, going up against the Swans with nobody, Franklin, who took the early guilty play. So he's taken the week. Uh, that doesn't want to play on Jimmy Blank. I like it. I wouldn't want to play on Blank either. Some of the <laughs> uh, contested marks yesterday from him were fantastic. So I actually, you know, I, I know I'm always optimistic. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm certainly not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There were some glimpses yesterday of what Hawthorne will be like. Obviously, CJ's running goal through the middle was fantastic. We saw a bit of the old Chad Wingard with his show and go and his ability to sell the candy before he kicked a goal. 
And I think playing at the SCG this week gives your team a great opportunity to go away, to bond, spend a bit more time together. Obviously, going into a state where it's not a footy-mad state, there'll be no press, no media coverage, things like that for them to worry about. So I think it's probably a wonderful opportunity for them to go away to regroup. And, yeah, certainly I think there's a lot more positives to come from this season. Yeah, I think so as well. That's it for six points, the weekly wrap-up key talking points of the Hawthorne game. Timmy, it's been a genuine pleasure to have you back on, mate. I'm sure it won't be long till you're back again. For the Hawthorne fans out there, leave that five-star review. We would really appreciate that. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts from. Subscribe to YouTube. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to catch Smithy's player ratings, which let me tell you, Timmy, my friend, which I know you've caught up on, is going gangbusters on social media as well. The great man is doing great things. I couldn't be happier that he's taken over the player ratings, the great man, Smid. And also, Talking Hawks alumnus Mitch has put together a fantastic MVP bracket for round one that you can catch on socials as well, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find that and vote on who you think the round one MVP was. That's all from us. We hope you enjoy the week tomorrow or Wednesday, considering when you're listening to this podcast, you will be able to catch Matt and the crew on the live stream on Facebook and YouTube to give all your feedback, comments, and all things about the Hawthorne and Essendon game before we wrap it up and we look forward to the Swans. And the last thing from us, Timmy, on behalf of everyone here at Talking Hawks, Stick fat Hawks fans. It was a bad round one. Doesn't mean it's a bad round 2023, I should say. A bad 2023. So stick with us. Stick with Talking Hawks. And until next time, go the Hawks. 